0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Manchester is Red podcast from the Manchester Evening News. United back to winning ways against West Ham in the Premier League with a solid 1-0 win on Sunday evening. There's a couple of big cup games to come this week. And Dominic Booth here to discuss it all with our Chief United writer, Samuel Luckhurst. Happy Monday to you, Samuel. And to
1: you as well. It's just a shame
0: uh, Ty can't be
1: here today for just a nightmare scenario for him yesterday where his laptop packed up at Old Trafford. It's 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 happened to me before, but my, my laptop did actually manage to flicker back into life. But that, that is the absolute worst case scenario for anyone um, who's, who's in the press yeah, box.
0: I, I heard laptop and car both went on the same day. So not Yeah, the greatest so I've discovered as well. Yeah,
1: it just... Dreadful, dreadful.
0: So, our, our hearts go out to Tyrone. He should be on the uh, the podcast later in the week, I'm sure. Uh, so, it's just Samuel and I to discuss the, the West Ham game. It, it, it was a, a funny sort of game in many ways. United winning 1 0 against a, a very defensive and you'd probably say negative West Ham side at the goal coming courtesy of an o goal. And Scott McTominay headed off uh, Craig Dawson. United had chances to to win it in a much more comfortable fashion, but such is the way at the moment they've not been taking those chances. Samuel, how did you see it? I guess it was... A good one for the the clean sheet record and a good one for for confidence ahead of a, a crucial week. Uh, absolutely, it
1: was it wasn't without positives. I mean, they 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 won. They went back up to second. The, the individual performances of Luke Shaw and Mason Greenwood were, were very bright. It's it feels a bit of a trick of the mind that Greenwood hasn't scored in the league since December, and and indeed that reverse fixture with with West Ham. I think that was well over three months ago now because his performance level over the last couple of months I'd say it's been has been pretty high and it's it's testament to as I've said before to how well he has been doing that it, he he has been singled out for how he's been playing despite not having those numbers to back them up with, with the whole clean sheet thing it, i i still remember rio Ferdinand celebrating united getting a clean sheet away at sunderland in in 2010 and the stick he got off it because united were dreadful it was during that weird season when they were unbeaten in the league up until february and j- just celebrating clean sheets at united it, it It seems like anathema to those who have watched them for quite a long time. And of course, they've celebrated a clean sheet again this morning. And the the defensive record is impressive. The last four games, not not conceding a single goal. Maguire and Lindelof, I thought, were very good against Mikel Antonio, particularly Lindelof. It's not usually his forte to uh, win those physical duels against strikers like Antonio, as we saw with Mbadiang at West Brom last month. But I thought he, he, he defended very well. So that's that's another confidence booster for them. But approaching the ground last night, I knew it wasn't going to be an entertaining game. There have been very, very few entertaining games in the Premier League over the last month or six weeks. United have been pretty difficult to watch since that Everton game which was on I think February the 6th when they drew 3-3 and that was entertaining it was overly entertaining for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer probably given that they gave away a 2-0 lead and then a 3-2 advantage and ended up drawing 3 all. and maybe there has been a reaction to that a little bit like there was a reaction or there has been a reaction in the big six games to the Tottenham trouncing in October maybe consciously United have tweaked some things in the fallout from that Everton game where they did concede three goals and I mean, the irony was I thought the first half they played was one of the best halves of football they've produced all season. But it has resulted in this very good defensive record, Uh, whether it's De Gea or Dean Henderson. In goal, United have have looked very solid. I didn't think they were once under the cosh against Manchester City. And I think that's probably why Solskjaer felt as though there was an evolution about, that performance, I could see what Solskjaer was getting at. Ultimately, their, that performance was still underpinned by the defence, and there was an element of them um, being being reliant on the counter attack in the second half. But with West Ham, it's it's a strange one because West Ham are fifth in the table. They were six points behind United at kickoff, but beating West Ham in, in three games this season, as laudable as it is, it doesn't really merit a feather in Solskjaer's cap because because of Moyes they didn't have an attempt, they didn't have an attempt on target. And I just found West Ham's setup at Old Trafford to be pretty, pretty much identical to when Moyes first went to Old Trafford with Everton nearly 19 years ago. I think he's winless in 15 now um, as an away manager at Old Trafford. And he probably didn't win 15 home games as United manager in 2013-14. So although there's, there's an element of significance with the win in the. They've opened up some breathing space between themselves and West Ham. Top four looks boxed off. And I don't think they are certainly going to be going. I don't think United are going to be going into the last game of the season needing a positive result to qualify for the Champions League. So all that highlights progress and going into this week where it's two straight knockout ties, they absolutely needed that confidence booster.
0: Absolutely, yeah. You say what about, what, about Man City not troubling United defensively, West Ham certainly didn't. And like you say, they only seemed to change their approach when, once the goal went in and Ben Rama and Lanzini came on and there was a little bit from West Ham. Yeah. But United, much more comfortable than at the end of that Everton game, for example. There was a similar free kick, wasn't there, on Sunday night that, that could have caused them problems, but, but didn't. I guess... Maguire and Lindelof deserve credit. There were a few months ago, the talk was all about which centre back United are going to sign in the summer and how much that's needed. Bi's done well when he's come in. Lindelof seems to have a has had a really good uh, patch of form last month or so. But I guess it shouldn't maybe cloud the fact that United do need more numbers and more quality at the centre back area. It's just heartening to see that, that partnership working well again as it did last season.
1: Yeah, I think the numbers last season did flatter Lindelof. I didn't think he had a good season at all last season, but. The quirk of it was that when he didn't play, I think there were three games in the league that he didn't start last season. United lost two of them. Uh, the only one they won was when they went to a, a back three at Chelsea. I, I, despite this run that they've gone on, it, it doesn't change my personal view. And I don't think it changes the view of, of many United fans that they do need a centre-back in the summer. Maguire has looked a lot more solid, a lot more authoritative. Uh, I think there's always going to be a contingent of United fans that just, just won't take to him because... Because he's English, because he came from Leicester, because he's not as exotic a signing as um, they might have made in, in, in the summer of 2018 when they didn't sign a centre back. But he is having a, a solid, a reasonably solid time at the moment after what was a pretty, I don't think it's a stretch to say it was a pretty traumatic start to the season that he had with the issue in, in Mykonos and. Uh, the, the, the opening games against against Crystal Palace, Brighton and Tottenham, where United were as, about as watertight as a sieve. So for him to be in the form he is at the moment, bodes well uh, going into the running um, and particularly going to San Siro and, and, and Leicester this week. But as I said, I still think that w- with United, it's, it's almost as if they have to play it by ear, p- particularly because of the pandemic in terms of whether they go for a elite centre-forward or an elite centre-back in the summer. At the moment, you'd say it has to be a centre-forward just because of that basic fact that you do need to score goals to win football matches. And I think United have scored four goals in their last six games. And most of, well, I think only one of them might have come from from open play, which was Luke Shaw's superb goal at at Manchester City. So there's def- there's a fundamental issue there, particularly when uh, the two main number nines have only scored seven goals apiece. One of them just doesn't look cut out to be a number nine. The other might not be at United next season because of various issues with Edinson Cavani's fitness and his own issues in terms of settling into um, to life in England. So you would probably still say that the centre forward is more pressing, but I still think that that defensive axis of Maguire and Lindelof or Maguire and, and Bay it's it's not good enough to win a title. I think Bay is the blueprint for the kind of defender United need. And at least he's actually maintained an element of, of, of fitness this season. He's, he's probably had his most available season since his first season at United, but he is still uh, behind Lindelof in the pecking order.
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right about Bailly being the type of centre-back that they want. Maybe someone a little bit more reliable, I guess, Bailly has has that error in him. And United are looking for someone formidable and and quick alongside Maguire in the ideal situation. But talking about strikers as well, Samuel, you've written today the news, probably the inevitable news that United are are very big fans of Erling Haaland and and settled on him as a priority centre-forward target for a coming transfer window. We know all about Haaland, don't we? We've, we've been here before with United's interest and his agent, Mino Raiola, maybe getting in the way, you know, 47 goals and 48 Dortmund appearances, still 20 years old, worked with Solskjaer before. He does tick nearly every box, maybe apart from the agent box, doesn't he, Samuel for United? Yes, and that's always the the massive caveat with with
1: Haaland. He is He's the perfect striker. He's perfect for United. He's he's perfect for Manchester City and, and City have had their own issues with Guardiola. And, sorry, not Guardiola. Guardiola's had his own issues with Raiola in the past. <laughs> Raiola called him a, a dog once or... And, and and he's been one of those agents that city have have just not dealt dealt with and and I think that's been a deliberate decision as well there it's not as if they've just been avoiding rio Mina Raiola, uh subconsciously I think they have consciously avoided going for any of his any of his clients but the feeling with united is that solskjaer's relationship with Haaland, which of course dates back to when he managed him at Mulder, and he, he probably knew him before that just on the chances of probability. I mean, Solskjaer and think Haaland were, were teammates in the Norwegian national team. They played in the Premier League at the same time. They lived quite, quite nearby. Haaland was at Leeds, then he was at Manchester City. So it, the laws of probability suggest that Solskjaer probably knew Erling Haaland before everybody else knew uh, who he was. And because Haaland is such a sensational striker and United do have the cachet of the Solskjaer factor and Everyone in the recruitment department, uh, the football director John Murta uh, Solskjaer, is all. Everyone's on the same page in terms of agreeing that you know, Harland is ideal. It's it's a comp- it, you know it's a pretty compelling case to to try and at least test the waters there. It's not a case of being once bitten, twice shy. Um, I think if you want to draw a comparison with Haaland, it's a little bit like with Alan Shearer in the 90s, who was a striker that United tried to sign from Southampton, but he went to Blackburn. And then they tried to sign him again in 1996 from Blackburn, but he went to Newcastle. And I think Haaland, if, if you're to compare... The stock of a striker, Haaland is very, very similar to what Shearer's stock was at the time in 1996. I think he'd probably walk into any team in the world, even Bayern Munich. I think Bayern Munich, as much as they love Robert Lewandowski, and Lewandowski is is probably still the ultimate number nine in world football. I think even they would probably make room for Haaland just because he is the future. There's every chance that him and Kylian Mbappe might have this duopoly as to who's who's the best player in the world over the next decade or so. I think that's what everyone uh, that was certainly one of the takeaways from the recent Champions League knockout games. And if that player is attainable, then United at least need to try and go for him. Uh, Dortmund's finances—I mean, Dortmund don't have a lot of debt, which certainly helps them when it comes to keeping their their big players. And United wanted one of their big players last year in Jadon Sancho. I think it's safe to say that. They're not going to get Sancho and Haaland. It would have to be a case of choosing one of them, and they still might not get one of them just because of the sheer intense competition for Haaland. And as I said, you know, Manchester City are are interested, and I think City have missed out on a couple of United players who have gone to United in recent years, but. I think, of all the players that could go to United, if they could get Haaland, that would probably, that would more than make amends for missing out on Harry Maguire or Fred or, to a lesser extent, Paul Pogba. That that would be a real transfer coup for City. Probably their biggest transfer coup in relation to them and United um, being up for a player since maybe Carlos Tevez in, in 2009. Uh, obviously, Tevez was on, on loan at United. The contract ended. City came in and took him. And City subsequently bought players that United were interested in after that, like Sami Nasri. Sami Nasri was probably the most famous example of it in 2011. United liked David Silva, but they weren't in for him really in, in 2010. So with Haaland, there's there's a big, big incentive for City to go for him, it, particularly as well, of course, that looks like Sergio Aguero, who is just the greatest striker in City's history, is, is likely to leave this summer. So it, it is fraught with caveats with red flags um, for United going for Haaland, but ultimately when you boil it down to just the sheer talent of the player and also the Solskjaer factor and the potential for that to override the Raiola issue, I think it's they've at least got to make a go of it, even if it does mean United have to part finance it by getting rid of one of their big earners this summer.
0: Yeah, absolutely, um, and maybe Edinson Cavani and Paul Pogba potentially among them, depending on, on their various situations, but the Haaland one does have all the hallmarks of that word saga that we had with Jaden Sancho last last summer. Let's see if it does pan out that way. I guess um, the good news as well, coming from United after the West Ham game, did revolve around Pogba and Cavani and others, potentially coming back into the squad for the AC Milan game, second leg on Thursday night, Samuel. Um it came as a little bit of a surprise to me that Solskjaer basically said, yep, five players, Van der Beek, everyone yeah. else, they're, they're all they are all fit and available. I maybe had the hint of a little bit of shadow play, as Solskjaer likes to do in the in the media. Will we see everyone back for that game? Martial, Pogba, Cavani, Van der Beek? Seems
1: unlikely. It, it seems a big ask for all of them to be simultaneously fit for one game, and it does... Smack a little bit of desperation in that this is a potentially season-defining week. This time next week, we could be talking about United effectively having having a, a fourth successive trophy season because they're not going to win the league. They've got to stay in at least one of these cup competitions beyond the March Internationals. But there's a very real danger that they will go out of the Open League and, and the FA Cup this week. And just looking at the bench on, on Sunday, the fact that Solskjaer didn't make any substitutions against West Ham, the fact there were two goalkeepers on the bench, which really was just quite, just, just extremely bizarre, really. I mean, I know there's an issue with bubbles and training and obviously players still have to have COVID tests so they can be on the premises of, of the training ground and they are kept separate from the academy squad as well. But Ethan Galbraith was was in one of the Europa League squads recently. I think the whole leg against Real Sociedad. It, it seemed a bit bizarre that he couldn't just be on the bench for a Premier League game but maybe there was an issue with that but maybe United should have anticipated that anyway, given the, the amount of injuries they had. And those two goalkeepers were still on the bench, even though um, Rashford was rushed back. So you wonder what might have happened had Rashford not been available. Who'd have made that final spot on the bench? If anyone, it's, it's entirely possible that United might not have been able to have their full quota of, of nine substitutes on the bench so I, I can understand solskjaer's eagerness to get players back because it is a it's a crucial week in terms of how many of them might start in milan i think that's a it's a real difficult one to to try and predict or uh, envisage i think starting pogba Excuse me. Is probably out of it's probably out the window because he's been out for such a long time, and it is a big ask for him to come back in straight away and start. And Solskjaer, I don't think has done that before. Obviously at Tottenham in June last year, after the restart, and Pogba was fit again after his ankle injury. He came on uh, via the bench. I think the previous layoff when he came back against Watford at Vicarage Road, he came on again. Via the bench, and in those two games, he had excellent impacts as well. He was probably, well, he was certainly United's best player in that Watford defeat, and he had a big impact in the Tottenham game when he won the penalty. So, and and even just this season at RB Leipzig, obviously he was he was dropped for that one. Solskjaer was far too defensive minded with his team selection, and uh, Pogba was the one who came on and almost you know salvaged their their Champions League campaign, and they almost very very nearly uh, stayed in the competition for the knockout stage. I suspect one of Cavani or Marshall. Will have to start because United do look a bit blunt at the moment, and their goals records aren't, aren't great this season. Uh, Marshall has, has started, I think, some like 13 more games than Cavani. He's he's had he's just had a bad season, unfortunately for him. Cavani's had a more positive impact, and uh, and maybe given his experience, his know-how of of playing in Italy, playing against Milan, that might just give him the edge. But Marshall has played more recently than Cavani, and when he did start against City, I thought he you know he, he looked like a number nine again.
0: Yeah, maybe Daniel James dropping to the bench for for one of those two as the focal point and Greenwood playing on the right. The midfield balance is a is an interesting one, though, because Matic and McTominay didn't convince at all in the first leg uh, against Milan. We've seen issues when United have played a double pivot there and they've left themselves blunt in attack and short of, of options through the middle. Fred and McTominay are the trusted big match pairing, but then they play full 90 minutes against West Ham. So is that... Calls maybe for Pogba or Van der Beek, or where are we with this? It seems like a, a muddle that Solskjaer needs to work out. I, don't, I certainly don't think Van der Beek. Um, yeah, you know, it's.
1: I think Solskjaer, in his first, when he spoke to MuTV, maybe it might have been the tweet that I saw that it was he, Van der Beek's name was accidentally omitted, but he wasn't he wasn't mentioned possibly to mutv when he spoke um to us on the zoom call he did mention van der beek and you wouldn't be surprised as if someone taps me on the shoulder oh don't forget donny i mean van der beek has become that much of an afterthought and unfortunately yeah. there was a there's a sponsored post on instagram at the moment saying something like united fans are loving donny's uh home makeover and you think well he's he's, ha- he's been at home enough uh at the moment to have the time to do a bit of diy it's it just i think it's it must be a month since Van Der Beek last played. I think it was the, the West Brom game on, on Valentine's Day and he really didn't distinguish himself during that cameo. And you thought at the time, given the game's coming up, two against Real Sociedad, one against Newcastle, Pogba's injured. This maybe is the time for him to to seize his chance to get going, but he got injured and sometimes that's just not, through no fault of the player whatsoever. But van der Beek has been out for a long long time and you you do start to question whether he has got that mental fortitude to actually make it at United I doubt I'm sorry not I I don't doubt I don't doubt that Salzgaard will at some point draw a comparison with with Fred again he's he's made that already this season about the, the a player new signing coming good in their second season but in fairness to Fred I thought in his first season at United the first there were a couple of games in the first few months where he did pretty well. And then, of course, when he came into the team in late February, March time, he had that performance against PSG and he, he pretty much established himself in Solskjaer's team for, for the rest of the season. I, I really cannot see van der Beek doing that. I mean, I probably couldn't have seen Fred doing it as well in that season, but then they had all those injuries going into the PSG game and Fred had to start and he, he kicked on from there. But with van der Beek, I, I just don't envisage it.
0: Um it's Different it's, kind of players as well. Fred Fred could get by on desire and running around about exactly. a clutch sort of player, isn't he? Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And Fred remarkably has not been injured at United in nearly three years. I mean, that that might actually be a record in, in modern times for a player to move to United and to not sustain a single injury in their first three years. It's as I said, it's it's just remarkable. So as you said, I think where they are different players, it, it does make a big difference. There's certainly when you bring Van der Beek into a team, you are expecting him to be the creative fulcrum of it. But United have got Fernandez that he's not going to budge Fernandez um at the moment or in the foreseeable future. So it's a case of Van der Beek when he does come in having to adapt to that deeper role and trying to dictate play there. But where certainly in the cup competitions this week. I don't really see him getting the chance to do that. Where United have all but boxed off the top four, there might be some games towards the end of the season where if if Pogba's likely to go in the summer, which you'd still say he is on the laws of probability then maybe Solskjaer's got to think, I've got to get van der Beek up to speed now. I've got to give him playing time. And also van der Beek is going to need games because there's got to be a real danger of him not making the Dutch squad for the Euros as well. But I mean, go- I've gone off on a bit of a tangent, but going back to the original point of McTominay and Fred, I, I suppose the only thing that is wasting their favour is that Solskjaer, that is his trusted trio, McTominay, Fred, Fernandez. And I can see him going with those three um, in Milan again. Four days is not a great deal. It's it's not like you're, you're too tired during that period. That's a decent amount of recovery time. You just you just wouldn't expect McTominay and Fred to then line up again three days later at Leicester in the Cup.
0: Yeah, it'd be very interesting. Like you said, neither neither are games where you can really rest and rotate five or six people each time. And no. my hunch is that Solskjaer might go with, you know, two or three changes really from one game to the next. And it'll be a strong side that takes on both Leicester and uh, Milan. I guess United... We'll hope that their away record comes to comes to bear in, in this game in the San Siro, Samuel. It's, I think Paul Scholes was a little generous to United after the first leg when he, he claimed that they were favourites because of that away record. But it is still a, an away trip to the San Siro fans, no fans or whatever. United, make no bones about it. It's going to be a tough ac- encounter. It's going to be a tough assignment to come away and, and get through to the next round on this one.
1: It is. I, d- I don't think the outlook is... As gloomy as, as, some, as some have portrayed it to be, I, I can see United scoring at Milan and that pretty much wipes out Milan's away goal. It, it's where the United have got you know the, the, the gumption to, to go there and actually play to win. Um, that, I think what Solskjaer said, it was one of those comments that you could easily deride him for it. But when he said that 1-1 kind of suits United because the task is simple, you have to go there to win. That that might actually help them, and I, I can I can understand why he said that and where he was coming from. You know, Milan might get lulled into a false sense of security because United was so so abject last week, and Milan had, as I said, six or seven of their main players missing. You'd expect a few of them will come back. I think Milan, just as a club, they need they need a trophy maybe more than United do because they've not. I don't think they've won anything since the. Scudetto uh, in in 2011. I think that was the last time they were champions of Italy. They've they've been a real waning force over the last seven or eight years. So winning in Europe again would obviously um, lift them as a club. In in the 2000s, of course, their their Champions League pedigree was it was it was second to none until uh, Guardiola's Barcelona came along. So it's it it is a difficult one to 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 you know see playing out because United, as you said away from home they are good but they've had two really bad defeats away from home in Europe this season in uh, in Istanbul and in Leipzig I think the Leipzig scoreline was a bit freakish in the end or didn't quite accurately reflect how dreadful United were they just threw the kitchen sink at Leipzig in the end got two goals out of it and almost very very nearly got that draw that would have sent them through to the knockout stage it it, it will help that the San Siro isn't going to be full of, of Milan fans and It is one of the most captivating sights in in Europe, that stadium when it's full, when you've got all the flares, you've got the banners... The sheer sound of it. I think I think Italian grounds are probably my favourite in terms of the actual roar that greets a goal, and especially when it's a big goal. It's it's a shame that these these, these social media accounts, often by the official like organisers of competitions, decide to play music over it when you just think just just let the crowd you know provide the soundtrack. So it, it is unfortunately, as I've said before, it's it's going to be a hollow occasion, and it's it's a tie that has a such rich history that you can't really tire about talking about because of just the the significance of um, the previous games between the clubs and it's, you know it's it's an evocative tie just hopefully it's it's a little bit more entertaining than last
0: week's game well let's hope so yeah that that was a, t- a tough watch but um <laughs> i guess united will hope to produce one of their sparkling away performances they'll look to the the psg uh away games rather than the leipzig and the istanbul uh are here which, which templates for absolutely nothing for united to build on uh, in europe and and you know uh, probably a good test for them if they want to play champions league football regularly and and take on big European sides away from home. I, I'm going to push you for a prediction, Samuel. And, and I know you hate this, but I'm going to push you for a prediction. Mine, my sneaky feeling is that United actually won't come through this and will come through the Leicester tie. Um, I don't know if you agree with that. I was about that. to say that as well. Yeah. Right. I, can, <laughs> I, can, I can see United
1: scoring in Milan, but I can also see... Again, it's one of those that it's it's so because so many players are missing from the first leg, I think it's one of those that you want to know or have a very, very concrete idea of who's going to be playing in the second leg on both sides because Milan played played really well for a team that were pretty much filled in their B team last week. But yeah, I think I think this week I'd probably say that I can see United going through against Leicester, but but not Milan. And I'll probably turn out to you know, it'll probably turn out something like that. Yeah, but that, yeah, I think Milan will just about edge it.
0: Yeah, it'll be a very interesting game. So make sure you do follow our Manchester Union news coverage of that. And we'll obviously have reaction to the Milan game and a specific preview to the FA Cup quarterfinal against Leicester, which is obviously on Sunday. Um, but for now, that's about all for today's Manchester is Red podcast. Uh, Samuel, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you, Dom. Appreciate it. And we'll be back again very, very soon. Please leave us a like and a subscribe and thanks for listening.